This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, we'll buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. Powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life. And I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late nights with those after hours or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turn to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're going to love it, won't be disappointed. So please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures. Now, back to the show. Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of art, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Nova Day, and today we're going to be talking about art and horror, focusing on a variety of artistic mediums. Yes, the closest thing to a top 10, maybe top 20 list. And uh, so we're going to shine a light on a number of artists and a lot of artists work. And we're going to do that through what we're calling the modern masters of horror. To hash it out, I'm joined by our master of the voice, our very own silver tongue of horror laced with the scary, unique, and macabre. That's right, Mr. Tommy Teachum, a.k.a. Philip Church. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Hello, Church. Novo. <laughs> Ooh, that's good. Is that the Crypt Keeper? It was inspired by it, yeah. Oh, that was good. I can't oh, believe man. you remembered that dumbass Tommy Teachum bullshit. Yes, guys. See? Well, what did I tell you? Don't worry. We're going to have him back on the show. Uh, you know I was going to bring back Tommy Teachum. Come on. Come on now. That's a fan favorite. Everybody's now talking about Tommy Teachum. <laughs> uh, I know. You're never going to live that down. Gonna, it's gonna come I've back to haunt you. <laughs> Speaking of haunting, that's right. Today we're talking about modern masters of horror. Why? Because my thesis is simple, and I would love to hear your two cents on the topic. And it is this: we are currently living through a new era of horror. One might one might say a renaissance. I would agree. I think where the world has gotten us both in terms of like industrialization, modern modernization, the internet being a giant global like, you know, think tank. It's sh allowed everybody to <laughs> confirm that like, oh, I'm not alone in this awful like phobia of mine and that weirdly <laughs> we've all now collaborated on new levels of of terrors and things that can just torment your brain. Um so yeah, I I and I am a big fan. I, I think it's my favorite genre. Uh, and just given how ridiculous of a time we live in, I get so many of the other things in my life. There's so much drama and oh God, just, yeah. you know, there's so much uh, everything but true supernatural horror. I feel like I could sort of get from my everyday life. So I feel like lately I'll watch a good movie. Like, it's not like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I only watch horror. Like I, I still go see, you know, like, and I, we talk of course about movies and music all the time, but I still get more excited than anything for horror because of, I think where it has gotten to over the last 15 ish years or so. Um, now before we can discuss, of course, of course we all need a little, background. Now the background is going to be a little different today because obviously we're talking we're going to be highlighting a number of artists and a, and a lot of uh, of their work. Uh so the background is more on why I wanted to kind of uh tell the good people why like how do we how we got here, why we're talking 
about these artists today. Um, it does happen to be October. That doesn't hurt. <laughs> it is our. It, it, uh, it is the closest thing we have to a Halloween special, indeed, indubitably. Well, okay, so um, Mr. Church was pitching a show for us for this Halloween special, and he said we should do it on Mike Flanagan. And I thought, oh, that's a great topic. Flanagan for life. Flanagan for life. Yes. And I said, oh, my God, that's a great. That's a great topic. And but then it made me think of, oh, well, what about this person? And what about him? What about her? What about? And then I realized, you know what? There is so many modern horror masters that maybe we should shine a light on a number of them. And then in the future, highlight them with their own show. So don't don't worry, guys. I know all, for all you flan heads out there, uh, the flan family, uh, we're going to do a show on Mike Flanagan uh, because, again, a, a perfect a perfect example of someone we love to highlight on the show where I bet a lot of you have no idea who Mike Flanagan is, but you know his work. You will. <laughs> so, yes, in the future, uh, we will we'll definitely do probably a show on a lot of these people. Like, they'll get their own piece and their own full-length uh, podcast episode but today yeah i just wanted to give an umbrella and give give a lot of love to um to a uh, to a number of amazing artists out there that are really bringing this renaissance of horror to us uh like i mean like we've never seen before because we we have things like this every few decades i would say right before that there was maybe a soft renaissance for sci-fi you know with films like annihilation and all these things and now we're getting horror so it is a perfect time for horror with so many different well, streaming services, so many different ways to consume art. And uh, so, so yeah, we wanted to highlight a lot of people. So this is kind of the closest thing we had. I already joked about this in the intro. This is the closest thing we'll have to maybe like a listicle, like top 10, top 20 best artists right now. But um, that's my, my fucking top, radio voice. Top 10, top radio 10 horror voice. artists for, for millennials. <laughs> for geriatric millennials like us. And um, But here's the thing. There's, it's in no particular order. So I know you're going to get butt hurt if, if one, we didn't say the person that you are thinking of. Please write a nasty email to Clayton Anderson, our producer, <laughs> and or Buck, DC Buck, <laughs> or Buck, yes, um, but not to us. You know, no. we, we we don't we 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 don't want to deal with that. We don't have time for that stuff. So that's kind of. Uh, so I just wanted to kind of don't uh, frame the talent. <laughs> yeah, we wanted to frame the show with. Um, with um yeah the purpose and the direction that we're doing today now before we hash it out of course you need a little word from our sponsor this episode is brought to you by the novel the entropy sessions a tale of loss love and madness and our past present and future relationships with technology find it on amazon and as an audiobook through audible your support helps us continue our journey now back to the show so i thought we would just start with mike flanagan since that was kind of because i and then the second one is the one i pitched to philip i was like oh what about him and then that kind of slowly turned into this episode where we're kind of highlighting yeah, just a lot snowballed of from there in the best yeah. way possible so mike flanagan is a um artist that works primarily in film television and he writes a lot of his own work you know his work from absentia am i pronouncing that right yes absentia okay. absentia oculus gerald's gerald's, gerald's. Yeah. Gerald's Game, which is based off a Stephen King story, Doctor Sleep, and then probably what most of you guys know him from. So the net next Netflix series is Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor, Midnight Mass, and then the the Tell the Good People. This is how I'll, I'll tee you up. Kind of the future of his work. Yeah, he is such a hardworking guy. It's part of what has made me come to appreciate uh, Mike Flanagan so much more than just the fact that he's got like some some more recent hits. But yeah, he's he's been like working his ass off and pretty much just like all of his stuff hits, in my opinion. Um, he doesn't he doesn't take his work lightly. And so ever since he kind of like debuted back around 2011, this first like sort of feature film, he he just like never stopped. And it's it goes across different types of, of horror to an extent, like Haunting of Hill House is a little more of a traditional ghost story, but it still relies a lot on a lot of really awesome character moments. And I think that's just another thing that really sells it in that I guess sometimes when maybe a writer, an artist, whatever, not that there's anything wrong with their vision, but it just doesn't feel like there's as as personal of stakes. But there's always something to connect with in Mike Flanagan's works. And I think The Haunting of Hill House just was really him hitting the hell out of his stride 
because the characters in that are phenomenal. And yes, it is, of course, based on, you know, like uh, loosely based on other stuff. It's not like this is the first thing about like Hill House you'll ever see. But still, it, it, it comes across as a pretty original work. And the way it follows the various characters who are, all happen to be this all from like one main family who survived a horrible supernatural sort of like event or so. But even even going back that I, once those things caught my attention, I again, I went back through his career, started with his first major film, Absentia, and it, it just it all hits. It, it all lands in different types of ways. Uh, he's got his sort of trademark style to an extent, and it's really cool seeing that again, like practically well, I guess at this point, actual 11 years ago. Um, yeah. But yeah, he um, just delivers uh, uh, such deep, well-thought-out stories that happen to be laced with phenomenal horror. And it has proved himself so much that, as as you mentioned, he he uh, kind of more just directed Gerald's Game. So that is, of course, Stephen King, uh, as is Dr. Sleep. Uh, Dr. Sleep being a sequel to The Shining, mm -hmm. um, which it, it, was, it literally was an actual book as well. It's not just some random thing that was made up. Um, Bly Manor was also kind of adapted. And, uh, and Hill went, House was kind of adapted. Yeah, exactly. Hill House, of some of it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's like whatever he gets his hands on, he still makes it very much his own. He still adapts it. And yeah. He just had something come out called Midnight Club, which I've actually not seen a single thing of. I haven't either. And this is, I guess, like he's creating a new series. Well, and it's a little more, from what I understand, it's more of an anthology in that, like, there is a central storyline to it, but that it, it's it's mm. like individual tales being told in real time behind what's going on with all the people telling the tales, who are all children that I think have, like, terminal illnesses or something. So it's just generally and awful. Guillermo del Toro has like an anthology series coming out soon. Yeah, it also well. looks really dope, which again, he technically Cabinet belongs of sort of in this list, but again, kind of in the same Yeah, it looks, it looks amazing. Um, And he's definitely a modern master for horror, but he's also been doing it for like he's, decades He's now. a seasoned veteran. Exactly. He's not as new. So, um, and then, yeah, the next thing that's really exciting personally is I, I do appreciate uh, some good Edgar Allan Poe, and he's adapting Fall of the House of Usher. Uh, Mike Flanagan ah. is so that's his next thing that I believe will be coming in 2023 hopefully yeah. but um yeah Flanagan again I've just I become obsessed with him he, he he floored me with Hill House I've seen it multiple times at this point uh and ever since then both moving forward as well as even looking back through his previous works uh I'm just constantly impressed and I don't think he has a bad work among them the man is is just dedicated and I'm so excited to see where he continues to go i mean again he's not even that much older than you and i he was born in 78 mm. so again it's just like he's got so much time and career ahead of him that i again i can't wait to see what he keeps doing my god philip what an excellent answer discussion analysis i really am saying to I, add. I, I was prepared to do a whole episode of, uh, on flan again like i said i love i love him you just got a little guys you got a little like trailer i'm gonna get future I'm, I'm straight up gonna have like a, a hashtag flanagang <laughs> tramp stamp soon that's how Flan that, family, oh, Flan oh, man. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. another thing that I just actually do love about him and that he repeats uh, actors that like do well with his work. I love that he just brings them back because he has guys. If you're wondering. Yeah. If you're wondering that if you're thinking if you're if if you do know Mike Flanagan and that female lead pops in your head, uh, the reason he uses her so much is, yes, that is his, his wife. wife. Yeah. So that's why. But um, yeah, I love. As someone that dabbles in a lot of what he dabbles in, I love his writing. I love his direction. I love his style. I love his cinematography. Pretty much complete. I concur with everything Philip said. Now, the second one on our list is the one I pitched right after. And we've talked about him on our show as a gem, but he needs eventually his own spotlight. And that is Junji Ito, uh, Japan's master of horror manga anime. And just uh, so this is essentially if you don't know what those things are, I always have to feel like I have to talk about these things like no one knows what they are at all. Uh, so if you're new to manga or anime, it is animation and writing. So he both uh, writes uh, essentially short stories, but animates them uh, in, in, in this in a very specific Japanese animation style known as manga or when it's actually animated anime. I'm going to go even one step further and Japanese Ooh. nerd out on you. Oh, um, please. Manga is actually specifically when it's just in like comic illustrated form. So right. anime is anime and manga typically prefaces like people be like, oh, the book was better. That's the book. When, when they make it when they make an anime in Japan, there's almost always uh, it, it sprung from a manga. And yeah, Junji Ito 
also just cranked God, God knows how many stories he's written and drawn. Oh my God, Jesus Christ, yes. Like, uh, that's how I kind of got into him, honestly, is you can buy, like, collections of his short stories, and they are thick, thick volumes. Oh, this shit weighs, like, 30 pounds. And it, But it's so much fun. It's, you know, these little ghost stories, and there is, people forget that manga, or, or the graphic novel, or, or how we know it in the States, comics, it is a medium, because there is a turn of a page. So you want to utilize that effectively, you know? So when you are ready for that big jump scare, you know, when you turn the page, it's going to, it's going to lash out at you. You're going to feel it. You're going to, you're those, those nerves are going to strike a chord through, through your body like lightning. Now here's the thing. I know what all the, <laughs> maybe even the, 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 the Flan family may feel this way. So with the Junji Ito fans, if you already know who that is, you're going to say, well, he's not fucking modern. He's not new. I, I wanted to frame the show. I need it. We need to add to some extra framing. We needed to frame the show not only in the last 10 to 15 ish years, but also notoriety. So I feel like he hasn't really gotten, especially over in the West, as popular as he did in the last 10 to 15 years. That's why I'm calling I'm adding him to the modern Masters of Horror as well, even though he probably started. I think I think he started in the 80s when he was really starting to knock stuff out. But uh, you'll know his work from uh, Tomi and uh, is it Uzumaki? Yeah, Uzumaki, a.k.a. Spiral. So tell the good people if if they don't know, just to give them an idea of how he likes to craft a story and animate it. Just explain just that just that one story. There's too many to really talk about, but I feel like that's a good primer. Uzumaki taps into an interesting, like primordial sort of obsession or fear, if you will, that there's mm. hints of like the eldritch or like something otherworldly. And it's it just gives you it. this lingering sense of dread. It's just like all this just looming in a short synopsis dread. it's a yes, it's a city obsessed with oh, yeah, sorry. and he already <laughs> said it. <laughs> he already said it the concept of the spiral. Yeah, people are just weirdly obsessed obsessed with it. It, it, it just like... The literal like shape. Hits, yeah, like hits people nature. at different times and like the things that like literally seems to like completely overtake them. Um, there's people in town who are artists, but like their entire body of work is just nothing but different takes on a spiral. Uh, and, and so it's essentially point, a cursed story, but seeing it, kind it of actually is. animated, you know, seeing it, or not animated. Even in live action. Yeah, yeah. The, in the manga, when you're, you're just seeing the drawings, it is... He's so detailed, too. I think on just an artistic mm -hmm. uh, standpoint, my God, the amount of detail he puts into his work is uncanny. And just seeing how like some of the pages honestly are like full paintings, like like in terms of sheer craft, like what he how he's thinking of movement and all these things. We could again, we just like Flanagan, we could do a whole episode on Junji Ito easily. Yeah, his it goes so far beyond just again like sort of eldritch horror. Again, there's like more like body horror stuff for sure. Um there's gruesome stuff that's not even just like light body horror of just like wouldn't it be horrifying if you found a hole that was the exact shape of your body and then you like went to see if it fit and then you fit too perfectly and you couldn't get out. <laughs> Is that the the enigma of uh oh I forgot the rest of the title. Help me. Yeah, again there's there's too many. There's just too damn. I mean, the guy, the guy is prolific AF. Um, he's got so many works, but yeah, I, I that one also just creeps me out because again, I am claustrophobic. So like that one got me. And then there's all stuff, all sorts of stuff about like metamorphoses and multiple type, multiple types of horror. Yeah, he usually focuses on um, a lot of traditional Japanese horror, but but things like uh, honestly just the the good old fashioned ghost story, and we we see that a lot through his stories that in, involve Tomi. Tomi is a, a a demon in the shape of a beautiful woman, cannot be killed; she's immortal. And uh, yeah, that on paper is already pretty scary. Uh, so guys, check them out. I don't want to spend too much time on them or literally we'll talk, start talking about Flanagan and Ito for the next 40 minutes. But because I want to get to someone or get to the rest of our list, because uh, the next person on our list is definitely uh, someone where you'd be like, oh, yeah, last 10 to 15 years. This guy's been fucking kill it. Probably just last 10. And that is Jordan Peele. He's been killing it with, uh, of course, he started with Get Out us and he just recently put out nope it's Let's crazy to Twilight think zone that's true yep he has an anthology series uh but uh crazy to think about his roots if you don't know if you don't know jordan peele before get out this guy was in comedy he was in mad tv he was in um he and peele 
KNPL on Comedy Central, I want to say. Yep. And um, it's fascinating because we're going to see some other artists on this list that started in comedy. And they're like, you know what? I want to try my hand at horror. The two go hand and in hand. I it. think that's so much of why I've Ooh, elaborate. Why do, you, why do you feel that way? Ooh. Um, I think the scares, if, if you're too constantly on edge, then you're preparing yourself and you have the walls up. Whereas good horror brings the walls back down. You think that you're safe and then it scares you all over again. So especially if you're laughing and thinking, oh, this is funny. And you, you, you know, you're okay with, again, like feeling a little vulnerable for a moment. And then like, well, guess what? The thing is actually right fucking behind you. Um, <laughs> like, which again, I think Sam Raimi really proved so well back with the evil dead series. Another and veteran seasoned. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, all these, all, all the best horror, in my opinion, almost always has really good elements of horror. Uh, I mean, sorry, of comedy, various types. I mean, sometimes it's a little more slap. It helps sometimes with levity. Very tongue in cheek, but exactly. Yeah, it's know, like, it if gives it's you too scary, if it's too the, dark the, the whole time, you almost get like tired of it. It's too exhausting. So or yeah, it's, yeah. it's literally like the other side of the same coin. So uh, yeah, I think the people who dabbled in comedy uh, somehow know, okay, well, this would be the funniest thing, but this would be the worst thing. And a lot of times the worst thing happens. Yeah, scary, they know so. timing. They There is, there is, there's yeah, there's again, there's a Ooh. lot that overlaps. We could do a whole show too. on that. Mm. Okay. But back to Jordan Peele. Yeah, Get Out, his breakout film was fucking great. And I think what's great about uh, Jordan Peele is an, an example of, this is probably a sub-thesis to our main thesis. He's an example of uh, what modern filmmakers have been doing with horror, and that is either giving a social commentary, which Jordan Peele does a lot, uh, or uh, the horror is just a metaphor. I would say metaphor for something deeper, usually mental illness, like depression, anxiety, loss, loneliness, something like that. Yeah, that's the, true. A good psychological thriller of like, is this really ghosts or is this person just having a breakdown? Exactly. Exactly. It's also one of my favorites. Yeah, it's like So uh, follow his work. There's not too much I want to say. He's he's killing it. He continues to kill it. I think he's the closest. You know what's here? Ooh, I, I have I have a point before we move on. I think he's the closest thing we have to a Quentin Tarantino. Um, and what I only what I mean by that is commercially, people will go out to see his movies because of his name, because of the work he's done previously. Just like, oh, I'm going to go see Jordan Peele's new movie. Just like, oh, I want to go see Quentin Tarantino's new movie. Yeah, I can see uh, that. Yeah. Uh, next on our list is a gaming studio. Oh, uh, curveball. Yeah, didn't see nerd. that coming. Did you? A nerd, a nerd alert over here. Uh, so Studio Supermassive Games. They have made Until Dawn. The Quarry, most recently, and the Dark Pictures Anthology. These are essentially, in a nutshell, interactive films. Remember those books where it would say, if you want to do this, turn to page 46. And if you want to do that, turn to page 67. You Welcome get to, to the do game. this in the game. Choose your form. own death. <laughs> but but here's the thing. What's fun, fun about this is, yeah, there's still like like any video game. There is still a way to, quote unquote, beat it. So you want to get you want to make right decisions through the the story, if you will, of the game. So you are definitely playing a movie. And the whole point of all of these games is to keep everyone alive yeah it's like an unless you're a sadist kind of then fucking kill everybody yeah, if you want to get all the we endings if you want to see the good the medium the bad whatever then just like you know what give into your inner psycho that's okay <laughs> so guys give those uh give those i would say she shit i i would say start with until dawn uh but next on our list is ari aster he is the filmmaker behind Hereditary in Midsummer. He has already carved out his place. Hereditary alone. One of the greats. Holy shit. I, yeah. I, I, I loved, I've loved his work. His is not anything necessarily deeper. Uh, you know, it's not talking about mental health or social commentary. It is just there to fucking scare you. It delivers. Good Very Lord. Very effective. I mean, yeah, two two major films in, but this guy is also somebody who I'm just like, subscribe. Like, I'm <laughs> down. Show me what you got, bud. Let's go. Hereditary. I mean, I like, honestly, in, in like a certain... Like this is going to sound a little extra dramatic in a way, but it also is kind of true. But I, I really kind of think that in a way that again, like talking about how modern horror has come so far, I think Hereditary in a certain way, like kind of changed my life of just what a film could be. Hmm. Uh, it was, Ooh, it was, well, uh, the fact that the first like act alone had me almost questioning, like, is is this what I came to see? Like, there's nothing scary. You know, like it was so much like regular buildup showing you about how just movies are almost always about like regular people and like normal people put into certain situations that are a bit maybe like strange or extreme or whatever. Uh, interesting, what have you. And they really just set up the characters so well. And the, the horror comes from both a mix of very normal everyday stuff, such as not only loss, but like guilt. Mm. Um, again, like, you know, if you haven't seen it, 
first off, why? Um, <laughs> what so are you I'm doing? Go ahead and, but Pause secondly, I'm going to spoil it now. But basically, just like the fact that the 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 brother like kills his little sister and and just like the literally, I mean that's that's its own type of horror. Not to mention there's the supernatural elements. Well, it was a phone pole technically. <laughs> true, but he you know he got a little too close to it after letting her go to a party. That's true. Um, true but then there's the, you've got the supernatural stuff, which even that was delivered very. That was a really good out. twist too. I need to say yeah, that real ending, quick. I never saw that coming. That little decapitation. I right get, I didn't beginning. either. Again, it, it flipped like, so many things on its head. And then the fact that again, there there weren't so much gigantic jump scares as it was just a massive creep factor that the the scares stayed with me after I left the theater. Oh yeah, that's the best kind of horror because I feel like and and to all you filmmakers listening, as much as how should I put it, earn your jump scares. Don't rely on them. It's cheap. It's cheap at this point. We we know what's going on. I exactly. I. I kind of hate jump scares, to be honest with you guys. I hate them with the fiery passion. So if a film only has like one, maybe two, but they're really earned and they nail it, and we're gonna get to a film like that down the road, I'm it. It is so effective. But if it's just jump scare after jump scare, you get desensitized. You got you gotta you gotta throw some some humor in there, and you can't do nothing but scares, <laughs> and especially the cheap Jordan ones. Peele, then people expire Jordan Peele, <laughs> and you've ruined you've ruined the formula. So you you gotta you gotta ease them back down. But yeah, one of my what my my favorite way to like sum up Ari Aster is um oh please who hurt you. <laughs> That man has some fucked up ideas in his head. Uh, his his first, his short film, which uh, again, like almost, I haven't even actually seen it. Uh, I think you can actually find it now. But again, I got obsessed with him for a while, of course, after Hereditary and whatnot. And uh, his first one, again, it's it's not even supernatural or anything in one bit, but it still is incredibly fucked up. Uh, again, I'll just leave that to everybody to go do their own research. I'm not going to dive into it, but like, good Lord, Ari, are you okay? Yes. Uh, so check out Hereditary Midsummer and uh, his future installment called Disappointment Boulevard. Next on our list is Keith Thompson. Now we're switching gears again, guys, because, um, yeah, the original list was also pretty much all film and television. So I wanted to make sure that we we're highlighting some other artists and other mediums. Keith Thompson does illustrations. So the closest thing we have to modern art, modern fine art, or even commercial art, because he does everything from uh, creating. So uh, essentially the concept art for some of your favorite demons or the undead or so shit like that. Check out his art. He's a really talented guy. I think he did the month. I believe I read that he did the monster work for Pacific Rim. And he's just he's not only creative, he's talented. He's he is so his work is thought provoking. Like you can look at just one of his um, images and a whole world can be drawn from it. Uh, I, I really liked looking at all these various like, yeah, character example type of things. Um, I loved the styles where some of it was a little more like almost like Renaissance uh, in a way, just like the way it was framed. And then, a then it's bit... like tech. Like he has like, yeah, it's like, so wide ranging, like horror um, hybrid. Some of with... it. Yeah. Some of it's hybrid type creatures. Some of it's just like, with like Max body horror. Yeah, um, it was. It's freaking like it, Gundam it's, it's Max. Fun. Yeah, for real. <laughs> it it spans. It really runs the gamut. Um, and it's all of it is just like pretty. Again, like very detailed and obviously very well thought out. Is it's fun shit. But yeah, hints of fantasy. He does a lot of stuff outside of horror, for the record too. But I think some of his horror. It's, oh yeah, it's Dark often fantasy called the, is his yeah. wheelhouse. Yeah, I, uh, often he will. It's called like the Undead series, I think, on his website. I mean, I think he really he has a niche, definitely, and um, he's someone to to again watch out for. Uh, next on our list is another filmmaker, uh, writer, and director, Ty West. But Ty West, he's already came out with X Pearl in the same year, and even the upcoming film Maxine. I unfortunately have have yet to actually see I, i'm not i'm i'm waiting to see pearl because i haven't seen x and oh I, okay well I then let heard, me gush let yeah me i have heard gushing. such great things and i'm very excited to see these so x is um a modern twist on a slasher film it essentially sets a very small group of people up to <laughs> up for failure uh x the x in the film x is for x rated but also x factor because the the main premise of the story is it's following a very small uh, adult entertainment film crew so we have the the performers uh the gals and 
one male performer, and they are renting some space on some farmland to make their adult film. But little do they know that the owners of this farm have dark and seedy corners of their life that are only beknownst to them once murders start happening on the land. So um, so then it turns into a fucking slasher horror fest film, but the twist is that we're not dealing with supernatural or um, it's not Jason, it's not Kruger, it's not Michael Myers, it's an elderly couple. Terrifying in its own way. Here, so here's the cool thing, is um, the, the main female lead, plays um one of the young performers in x and mm, i won't say that to no spoilers for this one but she plays um so the the grandmother the female elderly psychopath um is then uh that same female actor plays the young version of her in pearl so pearl is a uh, a prequel uh, to show kind of her rise to madness and uh, things like that. And then Maxine is showing the original protagonist in X when she actually makes it into the adult inter- entertainment industry. Uh, next on our list is Joshua Hoffin. Uh, this is photography. This is uh, horror photography. I love this guy's work. It is everything from, you know, what's there, there's a little there's a blonde little girl that's featured in this. And that's usually the person that's getting scared or observing the horror. That's um, Joshua's daughter. I kind of figured, actually, I didn't I didn't bother looking into much of the personal. I mostly just looked up the but Yeah, I, I remember thinking like this one girl is in this a lot. I get the feeling that like maybe this is a way of of like. You know, her having questions about daddy's work and then daddy being like, well, why don't you know, like it's this all make believe. But like, why don't you help and see that it's just kind of fun to do? Because it's like cre- genuinely like if maybe, uh, you know, Tim Burton didn't take his Prozac or something. <laughs> and it's, you know, I think photography is hard to do because, you know, you know, on one hand, you know that these things are staged, right? When they're using uh, live models like his little girl or clearly like puppets you know things like that but i think he does uh, most of the time i'll say that there are some times when you're you um it's hard to suspend disbelief but you know um a lot of the time you're seeing horrific imagery from ghouls and goblins and ghosts to just a i the one the first image i saw was this dead woman with a torn off mouth and cockroaches coming out of her mouth as the little girl is sitting by her bedside trying to understand what's happening. So just that description is horrific alone, but actually seeing it and you're seeing the cockroaches and you're seeing everything kind of ooze upon the um, the image, it, it really starts to take on a life of its own. But he also plays with a lot of, I think, not only supernatural things, clearly from the initial intro, but... Also, um, you know, cartoonish stints to that. You know, yeah, he has a little fun with it. Like retroish feel to it as well. Like the TV has antennas, you know, like the couches are clearly like kind of older style, like the wallpapers in the background. Like there's a lot of thought that goes into setting these up so that they say so much with just the one image that you're getting. Yeah, there, uh, there's a lot of prep, clearly. With and even this like kind Victorian of stuff. And like, I, I actually really appreciated too his like, tributes to um uh, old Lovecraft. classic horror yeah, yeah to love yeah. he literally has one a lot of tentacles aka yeah. the shadow over in's mouth and then there's some that are uh from kind of like the same era that are also like other like basically just fish people i don't know what else to really call <laughs> them but you should have that's i was about to stop you when you were talking about the eldritch horrors you should tell the good people what that is uh in conjunction with lovecraft because probably a lot of people are like who what these are the 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 ancient the old ones? ones. Um, yes. Yeah, Eldritch. Uh, I guess just like even as like a definition, it literally just kind of means like the, like this strange. It's it's just another kind of interesting word for like supernatural kind of ghostly stuff. But it is it was so very. I guess describe it like to me they're like god like entities that are so they're almost unfathomable yeah it's like Lovecraft used it so specifically, and that Lovecraft had his entire like Thulu and you know. Uh, all his various like old gods and the sleeping ones and the dead ones, like otherworldly shit that we can barely imagine. And that because it doesn't even exist in our dimension, what we see barely makes any sense to our brains. So if we saw it, 
it would be a level of horror we can It wouldn't even be a static because, yeah, it wouldn't even yeah, be a static would be thing a because it's not even a third dimension creature where we live. Uh it's some kind of otherworldly thing and it, yeah, the the very sight of it not only could we not process what we're seeing, but what we can process would literally just drive us insane. It, that now that nailed it on the fucking uh the the nail in the coffin. That's right. <laughs> Next on our list, this brought me a lot of joy is we're starting to see a lot of ladies in horror. Uh, Karen Kusama. Uh, she is a filmmaker. She does other other stuff outside of horror, but she um, directed the cult classic now, Jennifer's Body. Uh, she did a segment in the anth- anthology horror film XX, and she did The Invitation. And I really, Jennifer's body is, I will, I'll start here. Jennifer's body start, it it was hard to get into, but I can see how um, it's become kind of a cult classic after a while. But uh, I loved the, I'm not sure if you've actually seen the invitation, but I thought that was such a masterclass in minimalistic horror, you know, just taking someone at a dinner party. The tension is so much of the horror. And even once it starts delivering on, on legitimate concepts, Things that you can finally grasp as opposed to just the unease again that like that is so pervasive throughout the film. Um, yeah, the inv- invitation was so good. Excellent. Yes, excellent work. We're excited to see what else she comes comes out with in the future. Next on our list is Mark Powell. Now, if you Google Mark Powell, we've learned this the hard way, both me and Mr. Church. Uh, make sure you put in Mark Powell artist sculpture or dream dioramas because what he does is mostly obviously he's a sculptor he does sculpture work but he does um essentially what i'm calling walkable exhibits or life-size dioramas and if you can imagine finding a room in hell uh (laughs) that's the kind of thing he likes so a lot of god we could probably do a whole just artistic analysis on his work because a lot of uh blacks grays browns you know, Flat a lot of earth colors. tones. Yeah. And, you know, it's almost like a, it's Philip Silent a, Hill AF. Yeah. It's a Philip made a good point in our pre-show. It's like, um, if you've ever seen uh horror claymation you know, films or something like that. Yeah. But like, but they use claymation to bring it to life. It's a lot. It looks a lot like that, but of course they're static, you know, images and it's, you can practically see and hear it like moving again. It's yes. So this is like, um, where to start a lot of body horror, you know, we're seeing yeah. creatures with human you know, walking around non humanoid creatures yeah. with their guts coming out of their stomachs and their body being full tentacles or bags of meat or just, I mean, one of his best everything. known arts is literally called meat cathedral. Yep. Meat cathedral. That's my next metal band guys. <laughs> my next metal band is meet cathedral and uh but yeah anyways it is um you know again i wanted to shine a light on some other artists and we don't talk about sculpt- sculptures a lot on this show and uh mark powell for horror is uh, no pun intended killing it he very much also gets the are you okay award <laughs> once you google this guy uh, he specifically is you? the uh, he's the australian horror artist if that helps but yeah the word dioramas for instance will we'll definitely pull up the right stuff enjoy your nightmares <laughs> enjoy your nightmares this is um we we're talking about this in the pre-show too this is i will i will i will end with this this is the scariest stuff i saw when I was researching for the show, when I was looking at this stuff, I I was, you know how Philip was saying, like, it lingers, it stays with you even after you watch the film or read the book or whatever, see the thing. This stayed with me. I can see that. It's pretty Who goddamn gruesome. <laughs> Who hurt you? It's gnarly. Next on our list is David Bruckner. He's a filmmaker behind VHS, The Ritual, The Night House, and on the solicit says upcoming Hellraiser reboot. It's out it, now, it, baby. Out now, yeah. On Hulu. I actually did see it last weekend. Yeah, me too. It's, I, I've, you know, here's the thing about Hellraiser, guys. Let's do a little uh, T-Buck tangent corner. I love me. I love me some Cenobites. I love, I love the idea. I've actually read the original uh, Hellbound Heart, the Hellbound Heart uh, by Clive Barker. And I love what these creatures are on paper and in your imagination. But they are so hard to bring them to life, I think, in horror. I, I love I, yeah. I I find myself reading more about Cenobites and Cenobite lore and stuff like that than caring any amount about the actual char- characters, the love story, the in this in this modern reimagining, it's it's a, essentially uh, a tale about an addict. Um, 
a, a drug addict. You know, I, I can care less about them. I want to understand Leviathan and all of the, you know, all of the rituals. I want to learn more just about them. Like if there was a story just about the Cenobites, I probably would gravitate towards that more than the other. Likewise. Stuff. Yeah, I, I do love all the all the lore and the background stuff behind them. Um, it's pretty interesting. And it, it's what it's you difficult. think? Let's do a little mini review. I, I liked it overall. Um, I loved the the new take on the um lamentation configuration aka the puzzle mm, box um yeah. the different stages of it um i like that they didn't just lean into it of going like well we've already had hostile and all this stuff so let's just go full like you know gore porn um torture porn i like that they didn't do that actually they, and they teetered they they played with a oh, little bit of gore porn to, given yeah. the nature of hellraiser but still they they didn't go it's just like yeah they didn't go overboard yeah they didn't like go with cartoon into it but yeah i i, I liked it i like the reinterpretation of it i loved the twist on the main character story usually it's like oh i'm cursed and i have a, like you know three days to figure out how to uncurse myself or everybody around me is going to die or something this was like an interesting inversion of some of those familiar tropes of the main character slash like the final girl if you will speaking of horror mm. stuff yeah um really Good cool though back. i still dug uh overall i mean yeah it's it's you know it's not like it's a 10 out of 10 um it's it, and i still would probably say that the night house is my favorite film of his so far yeah. as much as the ritual Agreed. was also amazing Ooh, ritual i i would say ritual for me is maybe a, a number one in the night house they're they're segment. very different and both awesome in their own way um it might just also be that i saw the night house more recently but sure. um i did was one, of your gems. one of your one of your yeah first exactly gems it was it was literally one of my gems because it was that damn good at one point but the ritual still also stuck with me and i mean that like there's that part where they find that creepy fucking cabin in the middle of nowhere and they decide to sleep in it and then like that one guy wakes up butt-ass naked in front of that like effigy that horrible horrible effigy that fucked me up like that that was that alone was already terrifying that ratcheted things up like eight notches for me when watching it because he just again he like he came to um again the effigy itself was pretty fucking creepy and you know again like even he was just like where am i he's like butt ass naked it was just all so <laughs> many different types of horror uh in that one scene alone so the ritual strong entry but i personally think the night house is like also just what earns him the, like the sort of modern master title? Yeah, I definitely would say um, not to hold Hellraiser up to his best work, um, though it was a it was a, it was a fun remember, romp. It was absolutely worth watching to me. I loved it. It was a good entry. It, I would call it a solid okay because remember this is um, this is the eleventh fucking film in this franchise. Yeah. So there's a lot of turds out there. Um, the first and second Hellraiser were, you know, the first one is like a cult classic. Uh, the second one is was a solid, was was really good. And then the That's rest of decent. them are terrible, a combination of terrible and horrible. Well, and there were one or two okay ones throughout. But yeah, for the most part, they just became too campy. Yeah. Way yeah. too cheesy, stupid campy. Horrible, horrible. They were bad, guys. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but Hellra this Hellraiser one was, yeah, there was clearly like they he really loved the subject matter. He really wanted to try to make it come to life. I can see why it went, you know, straight to streaming. It, give it a watch. I think it is a good entry for for the filmography that is Hellraiser, the franchise. Yeah, it's still again, a it's like yeah, it's a good modern like update on on the franchise. Like it's a it's you can un you can watch it not having seen a damn thing because it, it almost is like not exactly ignoring the previous stuff like because there are nods to like the previous movies but it also feels like an all it's like in the same way that the newer star treks were like an alternate timeline and that like the other ones still exist somewhere like there's the other spock who shows up but still for the most part it stands on its own and it does again it's still like an easy thing to jump into it's pretty damn fun yeah, again, I definitely would say again worth a watch for sure. But if you're, I guess we're, I guess a good place his to original, end this, yeah, yeah, his full on original. If you're gonna ideas, start though, with the, the ritual, ritual night house, the night house. Holy yeah. shit! Yeah, you you will you will really see like you'll you'll really see his skill level shine. I feel like you didn't see as much of his skill level shine in Hellraiser, but the ritual night house, you'll see it shine very very well. Now, next on our list, quick disclaimer, I have not actually read this, but I saw it on list after list after list. So I'm excited to to read it one day. And I just wanted to highlight it here because, again, we're seeing new budding. You know, uh, we've already talked about Stephen King, but there's other writers out there. There's other horror writers. And this one is from South Korea, uh, a novelist named Hai Young Yoon. Hai Young Yoon is what I'm going to uh, what we're going to say is close. I apologize if I'm butchering that. The novel is called The Whole. And it, it just I just kept seeing it topped on 10 lists like 
best horror in the last you know 10 15 years was the whole the whole over and over and over again so yeah i have not i have not read it either but seeing as how many awesome horror obviously again mostly movies because it's just easier to consume film um mm-hmm. but still how much awesome horror has been coming out of korea over the past little while oh, too man. yeah um i i would i would have to assume that again this yeah that this book would be pretty solid um and again it's also just worth mentioning again like these people come from all over like most of the people we've talked about are pretty much american some of them might be more like british uh possibly i wanted to highlight yeah a little more inclusivity on the on the world stage and that's why you know remember put a pin on there's a lot of amazing female female filmmakers really coming to the fray and uh, um we're gonna get to those a yeah, little bit here. This and lady wrote our... a pretty solid horror book, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next on our list is someone that I've actually been wanting to do a solo show on for a long time, and that is Robert Eggers. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, again, Robert Eggers is, uh, he only has three films to his name, but I know he's going to just keep, uh, I think the next one is his take on Dracula, a Dracula story, but he, he started with The Witch, The Lighthouse. He just came out with The Northman. The, that last one, obviously, is not necessarily horror. Uh, I guess it could be horror in one way uh but he's just um i can totally understand right away why this guy is a film critic like he's a critic sweetheart he's like a, he's a films filmmakers or a buff film yeah. buff yeah yeah sorry uh, i was a like a, fil- a film guy? yeah a film buffs kind of filmmaker there we go uh because yeah he oh my god they straight up built the fucking cabin and the, like all of that was real yeah I'll, I'll say it since we don't have a lot of time i'll say it with this very simple sentence his entire his entire feature each of his features absolutely art they are so artistic they're like watching a moving painting from beginning middle to end they are insanely well researched so insanely well produced well done yeah yeah the the witch was like so insanely accurate um it, it was spot on lighthouse such an interesting jump in both time and like sort of material but also just it, it you felt like both of those are just they take you into the moment uh i actually have not uh, i did not see the northman because again it's just the pandemic shit i um, did i, oh I still need to and i intend to because again i yeah i love so brutal Eggers. um so it's like I, i've heard i heard the good things i just didn't get out to see it and i'm sure it's somewhere that i can stream now but um yeah my god the witch i saw that so many times and the same thing with the lighthouse and especially with just the lighthouse being just two people but but again black and white that was a very still, yeah, specific it's like the lighthouse choice and, yeah the scenery you know? itself is like the other character in a way like you still it's is so present you're not just like oh just these two douches it's like no it's so the cinematography is like just next level good when you when you think that it couldn't get better it does kind of with robert eggers <laughs> that's how well we'll leave it at that uh next on our list is digital art cg animation and that is by an artist named oleg oleg dovinko he is uh someone i found out i found kind of late you know i added him to the list kind of late into the game and the more i've the more i've looked at his stuff so i would say mark powell scared me the most but I think I like the Vinco's art the most. It is everything from, again, yep, a lot of uh, Lovecraftian kind of art to just good old fashioned zombie creations, character creations. I think I just like the look of his art because it's it's I think it's probably half sketch that he does probably from hand and then he puts it into like probably Unreal Engine or something like that. And then he just takes screenshots of it uh, with different because I know he does animation, too, and he's helping to make a game called Ill. But I just I I love his work, his his character designs, his creatures are they, they feel real. They feel like you could reach out and, and you wouldn't want them. <laughs> you wouldn't want to be able to touch them. But it, it's uncanny what he does with his art. Yeah, it, it it's it borders on like, yeah, like a, a touch of sci fi, uh, a, a lot of touch of just somewhat body horror but then there's also just some of it being very approachable and realistic and yeah there's something also just about the just um, the look of it too yeah again just like the pseudo like sort of again like Paul you can almost like see some of the polygons here and there you know like and that's it, purposeful it looked, too you yeah, know again, he could have it, it it made it perfect yeah exactly it's very intentional but like that's part of the style and it's fucking rad like it works so yeah like in some but yeah for for some that are a little more like I could see this in like Resident Evil games like 
well, Resident and, Evil. And some you know, of them bosses, come across as like you would almost think it's an image from the news, but then you start to look at the details. You're like, okay, wait. While that one person is definitely a dead human, you're like, these other things looking at him are not human. And then then you're like, wow, what what the fuck are they wearing? Um, so it's just interesting how he knows how to make a realistic scene, and it's just meant to be sort of poured over. That again, it's it's very thoughtful, and, um, with with like the amount of detail and the fact that like you're gonna go back for a second glance. Yeah, Philip said this well. Like uh, the body horror when you think of body horror this kind of body horror think of the thing you know a body ripping you know open but then a mouth emerging from it and teeth and tentacles and appendages kind of like you know the same kind of arms and legs that you had to cut off and dead space that kind of look you know of body horror and how a some sort of creature is ripping out of this person from the inside to create the creature. So it, it it still has lingering elements of a human, but it is clearly no longer human. Next on our list is um, Fede Alvarez. I think I want to say that. Uh, he's a filmmaker behind Evil, the Evil Dead remake, and um, probably his biggest hits or sleeper hits would be Don't Breathe 1 and 2. I don't have a ton to say about this guy. I think he's just He's an up-and-comer, and he's had enough work that I think he's probably going to continue to make stuff and really wow us with the stuff he makes. Yeah, the Evil Dead remake from 2013 was pretty fucking solid. As far as it being like an actual continuation of that franchise, I feel like they should have just sort of taken it a slightly different direction and just not named it Evil Dead. Because outside of it having like the Necronomicon and being in like a cabin in the woods, it's still just like, it, again, it, it wasn't funny. It didn't like... Uh, smack at all of Sam Raimi's original trilogy, it did deliver on like horror and some scares and and whatnot. And I mean, again, like the production value was like pretty fucking insane and it was very creepy. And again, Don't Breathe was like such an interesting like switch of directions to go so practical, um, which again, I, I that's another thing that I, you, I always love to give extra credit to people when they come up with something that is like far more original than not since we do live in the age of like recycled ideas and reboots. Um, so it's funny that he went from evil dead remake and I feel like that maybe kind of gave him the ability, uh, unless I'm just completely misremembering when that movie, uh, came out, but let me just double check. Um, yeah, it came out after that. So, uh, the, just the overall plot though of, of, um, don't breathe is that, these uh, basically like punk ass kids break into some old blind guy's house to try to rob him. And they pick the wrong fucking blind guy. Right. <laughs> like it's a weird again, like certain things were inverted uh, again, like the use of sound and like light and all that stuff. It was way more inventive and creative um, than what they did with something that was established like Evil Dead. So I really like that first chance to be like, hey, who who can do Evil Dead remake? Uh, who, who's got this? And he was like, oh, you know, me, I'll fucking do it. And then he crushed it. <laughs> and then he was like, by the way, I have some of my own work. And that clearly they were just like, yeah, we we loved it. So let's do it. And that he's been able to do Don't Breathe and a sequel. And again, probably other stuff coming up too. Again, I don't remember off the top of my head, uh, if not just other stuff in general. But um, yeah, again, still still very much like doing some some good fun stuff. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he he uh, did one of the um, Texas Chainsaw Master. Yeah, that's a Texas Chainsaw reboot from earlier this very year. But also the Girl in the Spider's Web, part of the Girl and the from Dust Till Dawn. He's done some television work too. So uh, yeah, he's oh, been yeah, all over the place. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so check out his work, guys. Um, I think, I, I, yeah, this is another example of just like kind of a Robert Eggers. I I think he's just getting started. I think we're going to see a lot of amazing work uh, come out of this this filmmaker. And that uh, that concludes our list. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, why didn't you talk about this guy or this gal or whatever thing like that? They didn't Uh, talk about my favorite. Well, first off, shut up. (laughs) Tough titties, as we like to say on our show. Now, we do have some honorable mentions. And the first two are probably the first two you're going to think of like, well, why aren't they on the list? And that is James Wan and Lee Wanell. Now, James Wan, I did. I decided to put him on the honorable mentions list because he really has become more of a veteran seasoned master of horror because, you know, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it with this, this one line. He made the first saw in 2004 
it's almost 20 years ago. Do you Jesus. fucking feel old yet? Um, <laughs> now, I added Lee Wannell Wan- because what a lot of people know is he helped to write the first Saw and a lot of movies with James Wan. So he was sometimes kind of yeah. the brains behind the film. They were a fun, like, buddy. Like, yeah, they were a little bit of a duo. A and if you're wondering who, most people can recognize James Wan from, you know, his other work because he's he's ventured into, you know. Conjuring. Conjuring. Well, I was going to say DC films. Like, he's 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 he's. Oh yeah, he I did think Aquaman. he even did like Fast and the Furious. Film. Yeah, he did. Like, he did he's Fast done, and Furious. I think it was like he's done a lot of other stuff, shit. and then he yeah, always he comes Aquaman. back to yeah. His main staples, of course, are from the Saw uh, series, The Conjuring, Insidious, Malignant. The Conjuring is abs is just also like top <laughs> ten modern horror movies. Conjuring. That shit is brilliant. <laughs> And uh, but now Lee helped to write Saw, Dead Silence, Insidious, Insidious Chapter Two. But then he directed a few Insidious Chapter Three, Upgrade, and where I feel like he really hit a stride, and that is with The Invisible Man. That was excellent, so and good. that was like Holy two shit. characters, yeah. you know, and it was like so thrilling, so captivating, so yeah, much I fun was so on edge with the, whole the scares time because they did so good about just like he's probably right there, and Lee is, you know, <laughs> Lee is. The young white guy. He's actually Australian. Is he Austra- Australian? Yeah. He's actually Australian, but he plays a American in the very first Saw film. So he's the young white lead opposite. Carrie L was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah he's he's acting in a handful of small things, too. So it's just kind of fun that he's dedicated to it. There's um, a horror comedy called Cooties. Uh, it was a zombie movie with Rain Wilson and Elijah Wood. Interesting cast. And he was one of the like the teachers of this school that's sort of like the epicenter of a zombie outbreak. It was it was way more of the I've comedy. Heard of than I didn't know that. Yeah, it was, I didn't know it's that. fun. It's absolutely worth a watch. Uh, he acted in it. Uh, I don't think that he had much. He might have helped like with producing a little bit, but still. Uh, just just a fun comedic zombie romp where you, you get to see like children get annihilated because they're zombies. <laughs> so the next uh, the next people on our list was either quite didn't hit the mark yet or honestly were just too new where I I wouldn't call them. A, yeah, a, not a enough works yet. yet and stuff, too. Yeah. Sure. And then Zach, so a lot of because I, I I could heal the groans already of people being like, what about this guy? So Zach Kreger is the filmmaker behind the very, very recent Barbarian, though an excellent film and another guy that came from comedy specifically the whitest kids you know barbarian was so good it was so good oh, but it, it was you so know fun. we gotta i want to see what else he does like is he gonna switch gears and do something else like a traditional comedy or traditional drama or if he does more horror we don't know yet yeah because I mean, definitely barbarian, check out barbarian as as i've said numerous times now barbarian did fantastic with its humor it did both. You could be so tense because there's the scene wants it. You and it gave be, you a break. Yeah. There's a lot of levity. Yeah. You could be break. so like waiting in like the dark area, like in a dark scene to be like, holy shit, something's going to jump out. But then he would just completely just floor you out of nowhere with a, with a, a great laugh. And then next thing you know, you are terrified again. Exactly. So check it out. But well, let's, great I'm, shit. I'm curious to see what he's going to do uh, yeah. next. Uh, next on our list is Rose Glass. She's a writer and filmmaker that made a film called St. Maud. Uh, Jennifer Kent. Kent is a another again uh, writer and director that made now this is very very famous the Babadook. Um, Babadook. Duke. Ooh, that was good. Duke. I was scared. Uh, Lee. So again, yeah, Babadook was fucking between yeah not only the uh, the writer um but even just like having like an awesome female lead um who did not have bullshit like romantic you know like what's the, I, I always forget the name of it but whatever that like one sort of test or like that one film measure is where it's like okay do women ever have a conversation and if they do is it oh, just yeah. about the men and this or is, is it only just, with a conversation or a conversation only with men in the film yeah like they don't actually talk and to women exactly or and this is just like hey guess what female-led fucking you know nothing romantic and it's not at all about like boys or like family drama um and this is another example of the horror is a metaphor for something deeper mental health yeah and you know depression and grief and loss and things like that and that's what the babadook is um next on our list is lee janiak uh this was um this she made the reboot of an old, I think, R.L. Stein book series, Fear Street, part one, two, and three. But I feel like she really nailed it. So this was done for television or streaming, as it's often called now. And uh, she really killed it. So I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see what she comes out with in the future, if she stays with horror or not. But it was so new that I, I didn't. I feel like it was an honorable mention. And then uh, Nia DaCosta, a filmmaker behind the 2021 remake of Candyman. I thought, I thought this. 
this version of Candyman was great. Uh, it's again, it's just it's so new that we want. I want to give her time to see what else she comes out with. And then uh, the last two on on this was um, more of a traditional honorable mention, which is um, the anthology film XX, which is made in 2017, which was a series of four stories made by each story is made by a different filmmaker. Luckily, one of them was by Karen Kusama. So we know that she's she's already been doing horror for a while, but there was also Javanka. This is all done by women. Javanka Yukovic and then Annie Clark, which is the real, you know, the the real life name. Uh, her her stage name is St. Vincent. So the, the music, yeah, musical musician St. Vincent. Um her real, her real, you know, that's her stage name. Her real life name is Annie Clark. So she went under Annie Clark for the film. Uh, she directed one of the features and then Roxanne Benjamin. So uh, let's bring it on home, Mr. Chetch. Why study? Maybe, maybe two part conclusion. These films are not just horror, they're art. Yeah. And why should we get into the new era that is, um, the new renaissance that is horror. I think fear runs the world so much more than we would like to admit or recognize. You know, fear of others, unfortunately, drives, you know, everything from like policy to just like family rules and things. And I think understanding all the different sort of aspects of human fear and the things that make a person, again, act a little cuckoo. You've got the other side of it. It's like, oh, well, love can make you crazy. Well, guess what? Like, there's all kinds of extreme circumstances. And so just when pushed to unbelievable limits, um, you know, what could humankind be capable of? Because, yeah, these movies are works of fiction, but at the same time, a real human brain thought these things up and wrote them down. So in theory, they're all possible. And I really just think that understanding the human psyche is always going to keep us moving forward as like a species. Just civilization needs to stay on some sort of track. And um, I, I think that, in in the in like a kind of a weird way and in, 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 in like a give the devil his due kind of way just hmm. that like even horror can be illuminating just to say like what are you afraid of and why you know like wh why why does this bother you so much uh because then you can at least start to get to answering the question hopefully uh well there you have it guys the modern masters of horror from top to bottom i want to thank you for listening i want to thank my guest mr philip philip tommy don't do it oh. church <laughs> He's going to be back again for, you know, we're going to talk about Mike Flanagan. You know, we're going to talk about Junji Ito. Uh, time is of the essence. We will do it in due time. But until then, thank you for listening, guys. But before we go, you know, there's a little extra for you, a little icing on the cake, a little cherry on top of what we call the gym of the week. If you're new to the show and don't know what the gym of the week is, it's something we like to talk about here at the end that doesn't always fit into the main scheme of the episode. But we got to give it to you nonetheless, because it may be on our radar in the last day, last week, last month. So, you know, we got to give it to you guys so you guys can dig deeper. Before we get there, let's talk about their sponsor. This week's gems are brought to you by Zencaster. Zencaster is our go-to tool for remote podcast recordings. What's great is that you can record separate audio and video tracks, and it's all backed up on a secured cloud so you never lose your hard work. Even better, it's easy to use and there's nothing to download. So go to zen.ai, that's Z-E-N.ai slash art of the beholder and get 30% off your first three months with the pro account. Now back to the gems. Um, I don't really have a traditional gym. I just wanted to tell you my number one of this um, <laughs> list in no particular order. The one I would recommend. Of I know we gave you a lot to choose from. Uh, so mine may surprise you. It was St. Maud. St. Maud, I thought, huh. was stunning from beginning to end. It's short. It was enthralling. It was really good. It wasn't what I was expecting, but I, I get that. That's cool. I thought it was um, was a perfect mix of everything, and it it has one jump scare in the whole film, and it fucking earned it. It 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 made me like I think kind of yell out a little bit, like shriek, like I was so yes. I jumped so hard. Um, <laughs> Mr. Church, what was what's what's your number one recommendation from this whole list? Haunting of Hill House. Honestly, I'm going for okay. all the way. No, back, no, no surprises there. Um, it just again, it hits all the beats. I, I love each character gets such like justice done to their full on backstory of understanding, like, you know, what are the real world issues haunting these people? And then, of course, let's not forget the ghosts actually haunting these people and just the balance of all of that stuff. So that, yeah, it's not exactly humor, but the way that the writing handled switching around from the various topics from not only again character to character, but 
real life drama, relatable drama to, you know, something super fucking creepy. And again, not, not a lot of jump scares. Um, there are a couple yeah, throughout true. the season, but that's another thing that I really think that uh, one of them is, is very also, again, it's, it's earned and intentional. Um, it, it, it even fucks with the people in the moment. Like it's, it's for everyone. It's not just for us, the viewer. It fucks with like the people in the scene in a very real way. And it like has a big, uh, plot impact. So like, Kind of like how you said with St. Maud, like it's earned. Um, I do want to throw a quick uh, sort of regular-ish gem out there, though. I just yeah, found this please. really rad uh, a band that has a self-titled album. It's called Trip the Witch. And mm. to just put it simply, it's uh, I, I keep just calling it like existential space folk. Um, it, it always comes across <laughs> as folky at its heart. That's quite a, that's quite a, yeah, it's uh, like, it's just progressive genre. enough that it's like sort of spacey that like, it, it gives me these big ambient moods. It gives me this weird sense of exploration and mystery. But then at the same time, it comes down to just really good, simple songwriting that really strikes me as like folksy. Uh, so, so wait, is the artist named that or that was the album title? Both. Yeah. It's a self-titled album, uh, just trip the witch. So ah. regardless, just search that you'll, you'll find the right thing. As far as I've seen, that's the only album of theirs. But hey, thank you, Spotify algorithm. You nailed it. Um, I really <laughs> fucking dig that one. You don't always do that great, but you, thank you. Thank you, Spotify. We want to thank the uh, algorithm gods. Thank for you. Thank you, Cloud Daddy. Help, help, help sponsor this episode. <laughs> Guys, if you like that, you can, of course, check us out at NovadayProductions.com. There you'll find things like the Entropy Sessions, Post Meridium, Adulteration, Cancel Culture Lotto, uh, and a lot more to come. Uh, of course, you'll see ads for this show if you want to check out our other episodes. I think you'll really enjoy uh, a lot of the the other episodes with Mr. Philip Church too. Uh, don't forget to uh, you know check us out also at smash the like button underscore Novo underscore day and at Novo Day Media. Yes, uh, smash that like button. That do subscribe. all the things. You know what to do. Leave it's us a inter- comment. It's internet etiquette. You know, I don't need to explain it to you. Jesus Christ. You know what to do. If you want to do it, do it. I, I, we don't care. Do it. We're still going to make the show. We don't care. And if you'd like to sponsor a little love child now, 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 if you'd like to sponsor a little love child or you want to be on the show, you can reach out to us at NovaDayMedia at gmail.com. If you want to hire make that check beautiful silver. Yep. That's right. <laughs> uh, if you want to make, um, if you want to hire that beautiful silver tongue of Mr. Philip Church's, how do they do that? You can go to philipchurch.tech. That's Philip with one L and tech like technology because let's face it, uh, we live in a techie world and I am a super nerd. So I have my own full studio. I've looked up the things about making the books and doing the voiceovers, and that's what I do. Um, I've got some fun ones coming out. Uh, just finished an interesting sort of like dramatic thriller as well as, um, a, a little erotic-ish book that you won't mm. find under my name. Uh, you'll find it under a, a pseudonym of mine that I've really enjoyed coming up with. Um, but yeah, I got some fun stuff. So I do blog posts. I always, I always make sure to mention um, these shows, but just other stuff. Uh, check out my blog on the website, philipchurch.tech. There you go, guys. Check it out. And until next time, be good to each other. And as always, good luck and God Stay speed. spooky. We love you. Art of the Beholder is brought to you by Novo Day Productions. Created and hosted by Novo Day and the Novo Day Collective. Facebook.com slash Novo Day Media, at Novo Day Media on Twitter and Instagram. Music by A Company. Facebook.com slash Aco Music 123. Aco on Spotify. Logo designed by Tom Justice, J E S T U S, of thejusticecompany.com. And executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved. Hello, Novo. Ooh. Mm.